This will not be the first or the last time I say something funny. <laughs> was that supposed to be it? No, that was genuinely serious. I have been drinking Lempsips for the past week, or in fact, nearly two weeks now. Because hot drink alert. It's not a hot drink. Uh, because I am recovering slightly from uh, a cold that I had and... Uh, so you, so if I if I have some weird sounds coming out of me, then I do apologise. Uh, however, yes, Jordan, they, they don't count as a hot drink. Do you think they work? Um. So this is something I mentioned to you when I was <laughs> drinking them, and I can't work it out because obviously they have uh, paracetamol in them, or uh, sorry, and they are hot. So. I'm, I mean, there's that side of it. Like, I guess if you have a headache or something, or is that ibuprofen that fixes that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I guess that kind of helps with, with getting you better. But I think it's mostly just the fact that they're hot and they're meant to soothe your throat. But at the end of the day, after like two minutes after having one, you don't actually feel better. Right. So, so they're not a hot drink. They're a medicine. But you think it is the hot drink properties that makes you feel better. What are you trying to get at, Charles? I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Um, I'm sure the medicine part of it takes an extremely, is an extremely large part of it. So let's not, let's not, you know, degrade the medicine part of it because hmm. it is a medicine. Um, but I'm sure a different hot drink would also help in in certain areas that the Lemsip does. But I will no. Uh, it's still not. It's still not a hot drink. If there was, uh, you know, the end of civilization, no shops open, zombie apocalypse, something like that. You had a sore throat. You had the choice of a hot ribena or nothing. <laughs> well, I've never tried hot ribena, but I mean, if it was an apocalyptic situation, surely any. Any drinks and substances would be valued very highly. Therefore, I would cool, have to cool. go for the substance over no substance. Would you? Would you wait for it to cool down so that it isn't dangerous, or of would course. you just drink it? Of course. Okay. Just. I was actually really worried at one point because I was like sneezing and quite ill, and I had to deal with a kettle. And not that I'm like, you know, a fool or anything, but I was like, what if I sneeze when I'm holding the kettle after our discussion? Now we had about the hot drinks in episode two. Yeah, I'll stick the link in the show notes. It's mavispodcast.com slash two. Um, so I basically described that hot drinks and dealing with kettles can be potentially harmless, uh, harmful, sorry, mm-hmm. if you were to, to, you know, let them pour all over you. Um, and, after, and, that's, and that's what you were thinking about whilst pouring the kettle. Yeah, I was like, I better be really steady with this. Because I'm already ill, I don't want to burn myself as well. Because I'd just be like, you know, a yeah, double whammy. It would make it worse. Yeah. Who lets themselves pour hot drinks over themselves? Surely, surely who lets themselves don't. get into car accidents? John, accidents happen. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> We're now comparing spilling tea over you to a car accident. Hmm. I mean, obviously the the injuries are different. But, well, it depends if the car's on fire or burns not. Burns are, you know, burns are really bad. I don't like being burnt. Don't know about you. Uh, 
But anyway, yeah, I had some lamb sips. Uh, they're also really expensive for how many you get. I have to, like, it's like four, nearly four quid or something for... How how many did you consume over this last week? Oh, like, I don't know, only like 10 or something. <laughs> 20 grams of paracetamol. <laughs> yeah, but you do it. The fact is you, you can't drink them one after another. You have to wait like four hours and then sometimes you forget. So... Yeah, and, and just while we're on this, this isn't like a subtopic in itself, right? You buy Lemsip, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the shelf next to it, there'll be like Tesco's own brand or Asda's yeah. own. And then you look on the back and you're like, these ingredients are the same. Yep. Yeah, there's a three or four pound price difference, so... I'll be completely honest. If I If the like Tesco's own brand ones were there, I would have gone for them. Mm. because they're more than half the price and they do the exact same thing. Plus, you get them in blackcurrant and a decent flavour where... Oh, the, blackcurrant? Yeah. Like a, like a hot Ribena. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, Jules, I don't have Ribena in my house, but I did find a, a blackcurrant uh, cordial or whatever um, drink, and I was like, well, I, I can't have another Lemsip for another two hours, but... I could. Put, did you? I, I did. Did you? Did you do? I did. Oh, whoa, whoa. that's a hot drink. I. Well, that's a hot drink. Yeah, but it was in a situation. But that's a hot drink. I'm just saying. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. Because there's no medicine in it. That was a hot drink. I did not enjoy it. You just screwed the pooch, Andrew. <laughs> I did what? Screwed the pooch. I've never heard that saying before, but. They say it on suits. I don't even know what it means. Oh, right, okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I did, I did, I had a hot drink and it was not that enjoyable. Although I might have, I might have made it too strong, I guess. Just on that screw the pooch, uh, the latest sense of the phrase, make an embarrassing mistake. Great. Thanks, Jordan. Real time follow up. Real time dictionary. Another follow-up, um, I saw a photo after our last recording on Twitter from Craig Steele, I'll put a link in the show notes, um, we had a discussion about Jordan not closing his tabs in Safari, uh, then Craig took it to the next level with his screenshot, because he had 328 tabs open. Is that on Safari Safari or Mobile Safari? Uh, mobile Safari. How did he count them? Uh, because there is an option to close all tabs. Ah. And in what? The screenshot, really? Yeah. Oh my god. And in a screenshot, uh, it says 328. How have you been closing the tabs, Jordan? Uh, you do manual labor. So you close one at a time? Hang, hang on. I'm going to my phone. And I'm- if you hold down the tab button in the bottom right, you can close all tabs at once. What? No, I... Oh, crap! Yeah, Jesus Christ. I I just try and hit the... I have to hit the X button on all of them. So I just, like, put my finger in place and just tap it until they're all closed. So the very top left of the screen. And I'm like, tap, 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 tap. And sometimes it'll take yeah, like 10 minutes. Yeah, that's awful. You can just do that now. But and then I I'm glad I've think, made your life easier. And then I think to myself, why the hell is an Apple not putting the closed tabs? Uh, <laughs> tabs but they have. Oh, Jesus. So yeah, um, I've. Do you know how many tabs I have open in Safari? One. 
Yeah, because they only let you have one open and you can't go to zero. Yeah, same on Windows, actually. You've got to have one. Yep. Um, so, yeah, 328. I thought that was that was quite a good number. I mean, we, we were talking about like hun- like a couple of hundred maybe or like 99-ish that Jordan had before. Although we mentioned he had a million at one point, which I think was a lie. Uh, what? But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so 328 is quite a big number. Quite impressive. That's the, that's the target to beat. I guess if any listeners have got screenshots with large tabs open and they're actually real as well, don't just send it, you know, don't just fake it. Then you should send them. See if you can beat the, the target right now, which is 328. My computer doesn't have enough memory to fit a million tabs. Oh, well, to have a million tabs open at the same time. No, but you, you mentioned, uh, you were like, it was, you know, when you, you know, in conversation when you, you over exaggerate and you're like, oh, a million tabs, right? I'm pretty sure I said three or four hundred, which is true. I'm pretty sure you said three or four hundred million. No, I didn't. <laughs> I definitely did not. Well, we'll go back and we'll find out. Okay, and, you do that. Yeah, I bloody will. Okay, fine. Follow up for next time. Yeah. Weren't we supposed to follow up with something for you, Jordan? Like, how your productivity was going? I, was the, I think we wanted to ask him about his, uh, about the pen. Oh. Mm. The so, new Charbo. Yeah. Okay. If I remember correctly, Jordan said that if he had that pen, it would be the one pen that he uses all the time. It'd be his his ideal pen. So this was back in our episode where we discussed our stationery and all of that stuff, right? Right. Okay. Episode three of MavisPodcast.com. So I've been having a bit of pen trouble recently. Um I was using so I've now I have a Sharbo and this is the LT. Three, is it, Jules? I believe so. Yeah. And I said to Jules, effectively going back, that if I had an LT3, that would be my perfect pen because it's a multi-pen and it's slightly thinner than the, is it the ST that we have? Yeah, the larger the larger version. And while I, while I like the larger version, it's a really lovely pen. I was like, I just want a thinner one that feels like more like a Jetstream Prime. So Jules bought me a present, and lo and behold, I had the LT3. After, With what ink? So there's a D3 Jetstream uh, black. Is uh, it black? That. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was blue. No, then there's a, a blue Lamy in it, if I remember correctly. Mm. I think that's a zebra oh, is it? refill. Is it a zebra I refill? I think so. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure you actually had um, something in it. Effectively, I love it. If I'm being serious, it, I was using it for the first two weeks nonstop. Uh, I even took my Jetstream Prime out of my character. Yeah. Um, however, the last D3 refill I used in my ST. It ran out very quickly, which these D3 refill, refills are much smaller yeah. and much more expensive. So I was a bit cautious of using it so much when I was in, I was really enjoying it. And then it started to skip and I thought, oh, God, no, I've only had it two weeks. It can't be, it can't be running that much. So then I switched back to my Jetstream Prime 
and my jet stream prime started skipping. Now, the difference between the D3 refills and the Jetstream Prime refills is, one, you can see the ink and how much you've got left, right? So I'm looking at my Jetstream Prime refill, and I'm like, okay, it's full. Why is it skipping? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, is my is my LT skipping, or is it full, is it not? So I've stopped using it because I, I don't want to waste the ink. <laughs> right, by the way, Jordan... Mm. Yeah. They're called D1 refills. Oh, are they? Yeah. My bad. Sorry. The reason I'm, I don't know don't why worry. I'm saying D3. Don't worry. I'll let you saying... Okay, thanks. Maybe you can edit it out. Sorry, D1 refills. Why didn't you <laughs> correct me, Jules? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so a, a D1 refill is a standard size used by many multi-pens, um, which is one of the reasons why the Sharbo X is a favorite of ours, is because you can put anything in it. Mm. The D1 refills for the Jetstream ink are, like Jordan mentions, a little bit more expensive. They're not exactly the cheapest to get hold of. Um, you can't see how much ink is inside them because they're metal. They've just got like a, a metal barrel. And they are slightly smaller, like just generally the tip is slightly smaller than the standard refills that we use in the Jetstream Prime. Um, so, th- I mean, obviously they're manufactured slightly differently, so you may not get exactly the same line. Mm. However, I think Jetstream Inc., I think we've all had this, occasionally they skip. And I found that the one mil version is more likely to skip than any other version. But the 0.7 and the 0.5 versions uh, are usually okay. But it sounds like, and it's 0.7s for you, isn't it, Jordan? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like you. Unfortunately, both of your refills are skipping at the moment. I genuinely wonder if it's anything to do with the, the paper I'm writing on. Like, I remember last year you had an issue, Jules, whereby the the, the paper you were using was like recycled paper, so it had fibers in it, and it got into the the pen. Oh, was that the recycled post-it notes? Yeah, or was that? Or was I that a field it, note? No, no, it was a field note. And it was like, I don't think it was cotton or something like that. It was a, it may have been a workshop companion. Ah, okay. See, that's quite thick paper though. Yeah. The last one I used was with pencil. I did, I didn't use a jet stream in it. I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think, I obviously think there's, there's some differences depending on what you're writing on. Um, but I've, uh, in fact, last month I had to switch out my refill because it was skipping in both my Hobonichi as well as my field notes, which are two completely different types of paper. And uh, that was only halfway down, you know, halfway done. So that's, that was quite upsetting. Yeah. And it also wasn't a D1. It was a uh, SXR7, if I remember correctly. Which are much cheaper. Yeah. They are much cheaper, much cheaper, yeah, and you get more. Much cheaper, and they work with they work with all of the Jetstream pens, the larger Jetstream pens, apart mm. from the multi pen version. Interestingly, the multi pen version, most of the multi pens of the Jetstream in the Jetstream range don't use a D one refill. Uh, they actually use a custom refill. Interesting, but but going back to the point of how am I finding the pen and. Mm almost like mini review i love it it's the same you know in terms of gauge if we're thinking about how thick the pen is it's it's no feels no different to my 
jet stream if anything it feels it is slightly... very very close isn't yeah. it? it's very very close same similar materials similar kind of weight similar um thickness it's very very close and if anything it feels like thinner which as we've discussed before this would it's probably going to ache make my fingers ache a little bit more if i use it quite a bit just I, i've got a feeling uh, that it i have i have found that that um, is that is a thing yeah but um, I really, really do enjoy it. Um, I, I, I've yet to give the blue lead in my pencil holder a, a really good go. But um, yeah, I'm really happy. And uh, thanks, Jules. I'd like to make a, a public thank you to you for buying me the pen. I have one of these as well, actually. I would like to make a public thank you to Julian as well, because um, we spoke about the Hobonichi sticky tags in episode three as well. And uh, I was mentioning that I was running out of them very quickly and could not get a hold of any. And last week, Julian gave me his his set as I ran out of one of the most important colors. And I would like to thank you for that, Julian. Thank you very much. (laughs) No problem at all. I I just so happened to have them on me, didn't I? I love how when I go formal, I say Julian. Like (laughs) like when I'm formally thanking you, I'm like Julian, not Jules. But yeah. Thank thank you, you. Andrew. (laughs) Um so yeah, you're enjoying the pen. It's thinner than the uh the is it the SC three. Yeah. Which is a beautiful pen. Um mm-hmm. in fact I might take a photo and you can we can put them like a we can tweet a photo of them next to each other and then you, people can see the difference. Yeah. Um and then you can put them in the show notes. So what I did for you, Jordan, is I I wanted to make sure that it had something in it. Mm. So uh, in the first position, I put a 0.7 millimeter jet stream because I know you like that. In the second position, I just put a blue uh, Zebra D1 ink mm. just because I, I had a spare one. Oh. And then for the lead, I put a 0.7 mil um, Mitsubishi blue uh, lead in it. That's because amazing. you have to have a lead on mm. on this particular uh, multi pen, and the size of the lead depends on the adapter that you use. And I did not have any 0.5 adapters, so I actually put a 0.7 mil adapter in there for you. I, I noticed I've got a spare 0.5 for the Charbos. Um, then the universal, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you can swap them around. So I, I mean, obviously that particular setup wasn't because I was expecting you to keep it like that. It was more so that you had something in each of the positions and you know, there's a bit of a theme. I went for a blue ink, I went for a blue pencil. Why not? Mm. It's quite a nice uh, pencil lead actually. It's, it's really nice. Really nice. It's good solid color. Yeah. I have a bunch of um, D ones as well in, in my, my box of stuff. I have some some Jetstream inks and uh, a lot of turquoise highlighters. So if you want if you want a turquoise highlighter, hit me up. Yeah, I will do. What was the what was the turquoise highlighter? Where, who made that? It was uh, Montverdi. Ah, yes, yes. Um, yeah, because I use the the Lamy orange one, which I really enjoy. It's quite thick, uh, really kind of interesting feeling when you use it. It feels a bit like a crayon or something. Did that come from Japan, Andrew, or did you order that separately? Uh, I ordered that separately. Um, we Basically, I was looking at when we when I got my, my Shabo originally, uh, I was obviously going to put some Jetstream in there, and then I put um, some Kurotoga lead in it, and I was like, 
I should probably go for something other than just another, you know, pen ink. So I decided to mm. go for some some ballpoint. Uh, sorry, some highlighters, basically. Um, do you use it very often? No. <laughs> uh, I I, f- I feel like I do use the orange highlighter. If I'm ever reading any documentation that I printed out on A4, mm. um, I do often kind of like underline or circle yeah. certain areas using the orange. I find it's really good for that. Um, I also occasionally use it in the Hobonichi itself, again, usually to circle stuff. Right. I don't often like block fill anything in as a highlighter. Yeah. It's usually drawing kind of circles or underlines underneath it. And, you know, I like orange. It's nice. That's a pretty good idea. I, I reckon I, I would also use it for that stuff. Obviously, when it comes to dealing with block colors, for example, I use my um, mod liners. Um, but yeah, I, I mean... Documentation and things like that, I tend to use my iPad and the Apple Pencil. So, yeah, but I might, I might take, I might steal that idea and use it in my Hobonichi some more with some some circles, maybe a yeah, square. Yeah, try it out, try it out with a circle, maybe a square, maybe well, a rectangle, <sighs> a rectangle. Yeah, love a good rectangle. <clears throat> um, just to clarify, uh, I said before that. Um, it was episode three where we talked about that stuff. We had some kind of follow up in episode three, but it was actually episode two where we went through the entire uh, uh, of our setups and what we use daily. So check that out if you're interested. So sticking with the theme of uh, some stationary stuff, um, Field Notes recently released their their new is it summer edition is this one yeah it's summer edition. it is yeah it's the 35th quarterly edition uh field notes which is the campfire edition and i want to talk about these with you jules because i know me and you have these uh, in fact i am using one right now oh you're actually using one yeah that's nice and i'm so i'm using the the, the first one oh, is that dusk yeah i am using dusk with some so it has geometry and campfire code on it that's cool yeah um there and so have you used one have you used one yet i haven't used them yet i really like this edition mm. um I, I remember as soon as it came i opened it up and straight away i loved it um i haven't used any of them yet but basically each one has like a printed graphic on the outside yeah. and then a, a, a flat color on the interior and, oh and my matching God. matching grid inside those printed uh, colors. I just want to say the the colors on the inside are so nice. They're really nicely done. You know, you know, you know when a color just sits well with you. Yeah, it's just one of these. It just feels amazing, and it, and it, it looks great. I really like these colors, especially the red. I'm currently using the one with the blue inside, though. But the red does look really nice as well, and the the printed, um, you know, front of it has this. They did something similar to this uh, kind of printing. Was it the um, one of those American editions that they did? Ah, yeah. So America the Beautiful had a similar kind of uh, idea where um, it was kind of like a printed uh, cover. However, America the Beautiful deliberately ha- had this kind of like old-fashioned printing technique. Vinyl printing, wasn't it? Was it like a vinyl printing? Um, no, I think it was just a very... Uh, old kind of bubble inky type printing process, I believe. Uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but what you end up with is, uh, as part of the printing process, it's slightly misaligned. 
which meant that the colors kind of slightly overlapped and it gave it a really kind of blurry look. Mm. Uh, whereas this doesn't, isn't really going for that, but it has a similar kind of feel. It's, it's not deliberately trying to make it look, um, you know, old fashioned, but it does have a similar feel in the way that it's kind of like printed on the front. Um, and the graphics, the, the graphics, instead of being um, fo- uh, photography, which was what yeah. we had on America the Beautiful. If you look really closely at these, you can see the the, the little bits of dots. I mean, it transitions from like white dots to black dots and things like that. But when you look, you know, when you're looking at far away, you can't really see it. But it is, it is just a really nice little detail um, that we know the guys at Field Notes and, and girls at Field Notes like to do. With their yeah, so yeah, and it's another it's another classic because it's three different notebooks. I mean, you know, we get a pack of three. That's that's how it works yeah. for the majority of the time with field notes, and it's always good when each one is different. And in this case, we've got different paper inside. We've got a different cover on the outside. Mm-hmm. We've got different graphics, different bits of information on the back. Uh, it's a really good solid three together yeah Um, really nice really nice addition i am looking forward to using it i haven't used one yet but i will be at some point this is this is um my favorite kind of field note edition i think where it is just an all-round good notebook that is really nicely delivered that was actually something i wanted to mention was that i was really happy to receive these on on two reasons because one they're beautiful they're really nice to use and two because they're a good a good field notes edition where you know it's 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 just quite simple but it, you know it's some card and paper right with with free staples but they are really in a really nice edition and uh going back because i know they've had things like certain editions that i haven't been able to use really or wanted to yeah use so much. um the the most recent one for me is probably black ice Jordan, I don't. Do, do you have a black ice edition? I do not. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't think you did. I didn't think you did. What? Um, when, when was that out? Christmas. It. Yeah, it was around that time. It was like a dark foil with um, mm. a really kind of bright orange, which I I love the colors. The colors were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Oh. But it had oh, different oh. binding. I have that. Sorry. Yeah. Do black you do ice have edition. One. Yeah. So this one yeah, annoyed so, me slightly because of that binding. Me too. I have not you. I tried to use one and I had to stop because I couldn't open it up properly. Mm. Yeah. So the it used a different kind of binding, which is uh, more popular on kind of like books or you know, manuals yeah. and things like that, rather than just having the three staples in the side. Um, and what that meant was that you couldn't really open it flat, which is something that I really like about field notes in general. Uh, you could give, given it some persuasion, it would open yeah. flat, but um, it kind of it changed the binding a bit too much, and it was it was quite a lot of work to get it into that so that it was loose enough to actually go mm-hmm. semi flat. But um, that's an example of it's. I'm glad Field Notes brand make these things, and I'm glad yeah, to have my set. But I but I wouldn't go out and buy an extra set of this. Um, you know, my the the six of these I have, I've used one of them. Um, the the others I'll probably use at some point, but I don't need to go out and buy more because it's you know it's a good addition. I'm glad I've got it, but it's not like these editions like Campfire where I can literally grab one of these and start using it straight away, and I know that it's it's pure field notes. It's exactly yeah. what I would get. 
the yeah, like you say, the the things about these these editions that they do um, that don't necessarily fit for me. However, I'm still grateful of them because uh, it it means I know something more that I do, you know I don't like in a notebook or I would try to avoid if I can. Um, and it's good that you know they keep they keep trying things, especially with the printing processes and stuff. Um, so yeah. So yeah. to base, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the limited editions. But looking at them right now, so the latest is Campfire, which is the one that we're talking about. Yeah. And then previously there was Utility, which I really liked. Um, I used one recently with pencil, really enjoyed it. But it does have something a bit quirky about it, which is that it has a fold out ruler. Um, and this kind of made it a little bit uh, hard to hold flat in certain places. Mm. Um, before that was Black Ice, which is the one that we've just mentioned. Uh, and then before that was Lunacy, which again, yep. kind of pushing the boundaries, they had a cutout on the front. Absolutely beautiful edition. Really, really nicely made. Um, it, it's full of layers uh, and interest, but um, the cutout on the front means that some sometimes it's a bit less practical. And then before that was byline. That card backing, sorry, was not there to sometimes when you're writing against it. So yes. It meant that yes. So sometimes you could, especially on the early pages, you could fall into on the left the hand circle. side. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is break the paper. Um, before that was byline, which was the reporter style. Okay. And I really like I'm this using edition. that now. Right now. Yeah. I'm using, I've used uh, one byline and I've used one front page edition and I really like them. I really like the style, but it is different to what a normal field notes would be and then before that was sweet tooth again very very different yep and it's not until you go back to well snow blind or shenandoah that Mm. you start going back to one that's just a standard a standard notebook style field notes and and though i've enjoyed all of the ones that we've had since when you go when you look back to things like shenandoah and and um the the snow blind as well they're real favorites yeah straight away so it's it's nice that for for the campfire edition we are back to that <laughs> classic field notes. Mm. I mean, I used the the snowblinds last, literally a couple of days ago, and I remember on this podcast I, I'd said that John just simply mentioning them. I was like, yeah, and sold. That's the next one I'm using. Um, yeah, they're beautiful. So we had the personalized reprints one as well, which me and Jules have because we were subscribers. Um, yeah, Sweet Tooth I used uh, once, but I had it alongside uh, another notebook because that was basically scrap paper. The bylines for me were not too much use until we started this podcast. Um, and I'd like to say that the utility ledger, so the utility edition that you mentioned second, they, yeah, they have this, this fold out ruler and that's that, you know, for someone who's actually using it for something like, uh, you know, a building or, you know, doing a project like that. Um, it probably is really helpful. However, it meant for some reason that the the back of it was slightly off. So uh, part of the paper was poking out, not yeah, back. kind of folded over itself. Yeah, so it was it was a bit annoying like that. I wanted it to completely cover it and then have the the mm. ruler on the side. But it, when you fold I did the really ruler like in, that addition though. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's I used I used the grid, uh, sorry, the graph version uh, with a pencil. Really enjoyed it. So I I used one two numbers ago, maybe three. Um, yeah, really good, quite thick, which is something they do for the you know the more uh, 
do packs that they relate to kind of building things or you know pro- like physical projects yeah because they did that with the workshop companions as well workshop companion as well it was a very good thick. example yeah so yeah uh but overall the the campfire edition is is really nice i'm really enjoying it and i'd like to hear what you think when you actually use one jaws because it's yeah so nice. absolutely I've been I've been actually been writing really because I'm only uh, ten pages in right now, and each page is written really nicely. I've been I, I know it's a really nice book, so I want to try and keep it clean, but that's going go to go to to crap soon, as it does. As it does. <laughs> so we're already on episode six of the Mavis podcast. Uh, if you're enjoying it, we'd really appreciate the reviews on iTunes and the Mavis. If you want to find the show notes for today's episode, that's mavispodcast.com slash six. And you can find us on Twitter at mavispodcast. Thank you. Andrew? Yes? Someone on the grapevine told me that you've got a new iMac. Well, you should know this since we discussed it in the last episode. Yeah, that that was the grapevine (laughs) I was referring to. Right, okay, cool. Just check in. That you didn't like blank out or something. No, I. Funnily enough, you've actually had it a while now, and I've not even. Yeah. I've been to your house, and I've not actually seen it. Yeah, so we had a Chinese together. Yeah, and we watched Game of Thrones, but we didn't. What did but, you have? What did you have for the Chinese? Oh, we 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 doubled up on uh, <laughs> chicken fried rice, curry sauce, and chips. Yeah, boys. Okay. Sorry, I get it every time. Continue, continue. So, as you mentioned, um, I got the iMac quite a while ago now. Um, I think it was two weeks, maybe three weeks now. Yeah, two weeks. Um, and I couldn't set it up because I couldn't play with it. I was in a predicament, which I explained in the last episode. Um, I have now, I'm actually recording on it right now. I also edited the last oh. episode on the uh, on the iMac. So all is well, put it that way. Um, I haven't written much code on it, for example. Uh I've set some things up. I wrote a bunch of tests last night on it and mostly just been using it to kind of uh, just get other things done right now other than code. Um, so yeah, um, I had a bit of predicament at the start, more, more older predicaments um, with, <laughs> with setting it up. So I originally had uh, my other 28-inch 4K display on the side of it and that was ridiculous. So now I just have the 27-inch iMac all um, oh, right, so you're just going for a single screen. I have just gone for the single screen. I saw the photo of your setup with the 28-inch display. Yeah. The, your whole desk was just screen. Yeah, it was, apart from the right of me, which was microphone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I decided to take that out and clean it up a bit. Mm. Um, for me, kind of forgetting a gorgeous reclaimed wood desk almost three, four years ago now because it always comes back to bite me in the arse when I want to get flat things and the desk isn't flat most of the time. So that was... Yeah, so your desk your desk is really, really good looking. It's a gorgeous mm. desk, but it isn't flat on top. No, so uh, I got this desk when I was 18, when I got this house, and um, I've always wanted a reclaimed wood desk. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. My office is going to be reclaimed wood, and I've got the shelves and like a little drawer... Um, kitchen table can't not kitchen table it's a coffee table dude. coffee table yeah kind of thing uh as well in the office um however the problem with with uh reclaimed wood is that it's basically all like scaffolding 
uh, panels and things like that that you use, which aren't flat. Uh, and what they do is, you know, they clean it up and wax it ridiculously, and it all is really nice. Um, and I got it custom made and sized correctly, so it's like the right height and large, both depth and uh, width. So, um, yeah. Your your monitors weren't on the desk itself, were they? So you had like a, an arm. Yeah, so before the problem was, um, there was actually no problem because I had um, my monitors on an arm using a, a visa, facer, face mount. And, uh, they, you know, they were raised and movable, which was quite nice. Um, however, the iMac, I didn't go for the visa, face mount option. I just went for the normal stand. It turns out you can't actually remove the stand from these models, which is fine. Uh, so given the fact that the, the back panel of my desk isn't flat, there was a situation where we're trying to put the, the rather large iMac base down uh, and a couple of thoughts went through my head like do I shave the desk down and flatten it and then you know <laughs> go crazy with it and then I have this weird iMac sized uh, you know chunk out of it if or do I do the whole thing and then it's not going to look the same in the end I was going to build a platform I ended up making a prototype in cardboard and uh, <laughs> that has lasted ever since <laughs> So you got a little cardboard wedge underneath. Yeah, it. and I did it to the right size so you can't actually see it. Um, and I also I use a large uh, mouse pad that covers the entire desk, basically. Well, where I'm typing, um, which one thins out the sorry smooths out the the curves that it has where the keyboard might be or where my hands are, as well as it's it raises it and it's soft. So um, you know you you don't actually see under the the iMac stand. I just a. Uh, Point out there's a photo on my Instagram that I'll put in the show notes of my current setup now. As we mentioned earlier, we uh, well, I got rid of the the second display, so I'm just using the iMac. I got a nice lamp, yeah, nice lamp. I got a new boom arm as well, and moved some things around. So everything's really nice here, and I've got some, you know, I got a hue bulb in the in the lamp, which is cool. Um, so yeah, really nice setup. I'm really enjoying it. I know why you. Got rid of the 28-inch monitor. Why, Jordan? Because your tracking speed is so slow. It would have no. taken you about an hour to go from one end of the screen to the Probably other, would. other end of the screen. <laughs> I'm actually... Oh, we'll get onto this, but I haven't actually been using the mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about this. Yeah, we'll talk about this in a second. However, Jordan, the reason I got off, uh, got rid of the... Sorry, got rid of the, the other display is because if I was looking at my monitor, and even if I looked at the rest, so at the other monitor, it was so far left that I could not use the right, the, sorry, the left side of it. <laughs> it was just so far. like I'd have to really turn my head, at which point I'm not doing that. Um, it's also way too tall to have it sideways. It's a way that I'd hurt. So um, I decided to just go for the iMac screen. Yeah, I, I see. I love, I love multiple screens, um, but... Often I have been in situations where I've just opted to use one screen, even though a second one is available, yeah. just because it's it's more natural. It's a better experience. Like if I can't get a good balance or something like that. I think for me, I mean, I'm not going to get an iMac, but the, the closest that I would get would be a Surface Studio. And mm-hmm. I would definitely use that with one screen. I wouldn't yeah. use a second screen with that. There's no way, because obviously the whole screen's movable. Yeah. 
um i it would just be rubbish to have a second screen that you couldn't do anything with in the in the past i've had multiple variations of multiple uh, multiple monitor setups um and actually i haven't since since original like since first getting multiple monitor monitor setups i haven't used a single monitor in, up until now well up until i got that 20 inch 4k display actually um and i've you know i've had loads of the years with with random displays that don't match and you know when you just have like when you're younger and you can't afford like you know the same displays twice for example um so you end up with two random ones and then i've had matte books in the middle of them well at the side and put them in the middle and then you know some landscape and some portrait and things like that and it is like when i got that 28 inch fucking display i was like yeah it's wide it's gonna i'm gonna be able to use just this the only thing I do miss is the fact that if I want to watch like something like Netflix while I'm working or something like that, I do have to get my MacBook um, on my iPad. Well, didn't you? Don't you? Yeah, don't you have like an arm for your iPad as well? I did. Well, I do. Uh, is that so gone? It is on the other desk in the office, um, which is kind of like an iPad kind of zone, which I have a pencil yeah. charger, uh, a couple of... Uh, lightning cables and the arms over there so if i ever need to do work on my ipad i'll do it over there and also if i'm ever using my macbook and i don't want to sit at this desk i'll sit over there so yeah i i know exactly how i would have that other 28 inch screen so i have the same screen 28 inch wouldn't work Mm. i would just put it rather than to the side of it above it so it's too tall it's too high no no I think it'd be fine. I think it would. I'd put it above it, so same exact orientation, and then lower the bottom screen, and then have. Can't like, do that. I'm gonna. You I, can't really lower the bottom screen no, because it's. it's um, what? What do you mean? The iMac is fixed. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I I meant if I had two of those twenty-eight-inch monitors. What I'm hinting at is I'm going to borrow right. Andrew's spare one. Right. <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> So the iMac, the iMac is set at that particular height, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because it's it's like a piece of aluminium. Is, is it? Yeah. Is it just machined aluminium? Is that it? Just a piece of aluminium? Yeah, I mean, so the the hinge, sorry, the the foot of it, the stand of it, is separate to the actual right. uh, machines because it has a hinge between those. Um, right. But yet, it is just a it's a huge it's a huge stand. I have to admit, like it's quite um it's quite long coming at you um which means that so where the the where the stand starts a couple of it like it's like an inch or two until the iMac screen actually starts right but oh, it's, it's nice it is it's nice um yeah it is it's really good jordan i basically use the like use my my rulers and you know the notepad uh, basically to work out if I could put the other monitor uh, above this iMac. Right. And I know you were uh, talking about your your other work display. Um, but I couldn't, so I didn't try that because it <coughs> just marked the iMac. Mm. So, yeah. so I think I'd like to try it, you know, test it out personally. Just I'd, I'd be open to selling it. No. <laughs> discount. I get friendly discount, right? We'll talk about this after the podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I basically spent a long time 
for about a week uh, every so often, just kind of setting it up, but not setting it up. And the reason is because uh, I mentioned that I wanted to set up a bunch of scripts to be able to basically run them and set up my entire computer. Um, turns out that's not as easy as maybe it is on Windows or, you know, maybe it can be. Well, maybe, I don't know what it's like on Windows actually, but there's there's various things that I didn't manage to configure um, with... So on, with on Windows, scripts. I mean, you can do... You can do pretty much anything, um, of course. But the way that I do it is I have a scripts folder, which I synchronize over Git. And in it, there are some files that I run when I get a new computer. So mm-hmm. a PowerShell script, uh, some registry settings. And then I have a markdown file, which is some instructions on what to do. So it just makes setting up easier. Yeah. Now, you were planning on doing something similar here, weren't you? So you yeah. wanted to have... Uh, a script, a bash script or something that you could run and it would set the machine up with your preferences the way that you like. Yeah, as far as I can. I, I was I was aware that there were going to be things that I couldn't configure. However, so can I ask a question? What 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 on earth is a plist? I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't understand what this is. A plist file is something that uh, is a property list. Basically, uh, applications and... Uh, max use it to basically track various bits of uh application data uh so for example preference files are often stored in plists of uh, configurations for applications are often stored in plists as well as certain operating system level configurations um However, they're a bit annoying because you have to for example they're an xml format however that the binary so you have to you know, copy one and then convert it to XML and then read it. And then anything you do, you have to obviously change. Uh, now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Mac people take the mickey out of Windows people for having a registry. Now, I'm not saying the registry right. is the best thing in the world because it's it's not exactly the favored way of storing settings like this for modern applications. But um, it's a central this place. P-list, yeah, yeah. At right. least there's at least there's one place to go, and yeah. it's in a format that's exportable and readable, and can easily just be exported to a file and then re-imported on another computer very easily. Right. I'm, I'm not saying that's the best way of doing things, no, but I, I have wise. a registry file. Yeah, I have a registry file for um, my new machines, which does things like sets up little uh, configurations and mm-hmm. other things that are stored in the registry. So if I open up my, I'm just going to open up my code editor right now and have a look at what I did. I know that, uh, something that I was pleasant, pleasantly surprised at was the fact that I was able to can, uh, download apps from the the app store in the command line, which is quite quite impressive. Uh, there's a nice yeah, little good. library uh, or tool that I installed by Brew uh, to to let me do that. So that was that was good because I thought oh, I'm going to have to. I I doubt there'll be anything to you know interact with the app store by a CLI, but there was, so that's cool. Um, so I have a, basically all my installers, they're all in there, they're all tracked. Everything that I actually installed uh, is done. I have a bunch of tools, that are, scripts that I used on my previous computers that I've kind of ported over uh, to run and put them in my bash profile and that kind of stuff. Um, 
and I, I got I got quite a bit done. Things like configuring my dock um, and wallpapers and deleting the guest account and just little things like that. There's a load of there's a, an absolute load of settings um, that you can change that I need to put in as well. However, the one thing that annoyed me was that I can configure like screenshots, uh, keyboard shortcuts. Um, this is for a few oh. reasons. Uh, I found the file in which it was located. I worked out the values and set them. Uh, however, there's some some caching and stuff going on with certain demons that run on on the Mac, uh, which kind of cache these things or don't register them. And if you've got system preferences open at the same time, there's some weird stuff that can happen there. So basically, in the end, um, I didn't put that stuff in. However, I still have notes and uh, scripts of all my work, so I can go back to that at some point. Uh, and then it came to setting up the dev side of things. and Right. <laughs> so this is stuff that's not in the store. Yeah. And this is like installing stuff's fine. Like I've got, I've got things like uh, NVM and Node and NPM um, Go and all that kind of stuff installed. However, I wanted to kind of rethink my, my developer setup a little bit uh, in terms of what I was going to use for a terminal again, if I was going to use iTerm or continue to use iTerm. Uh, sorry, terminal. Um, sorry, terminal's the built-in. Yes, and one. then iTerm. And iTerm was something one. that you were using previously. Correct. Oh, is, it, is that the new one? No. So <laughs> so I used, I used iTerm a long time ago. Uh, however, it never really clicked. Ah. Then I started using terminal again. And I tried item again for this iMac. However, it didn't work out, and I'm back to using Terminal. So My Terminal's pretty good, though. Yeah. yeah, it is really good. It got a lot better in Lion as well. Um, it's got tab support. Yeah, 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 completely. Yeah. So basically, there was a up until like Lion, I think it was. There was a couple of issues with Terminal, and that's why item was like, "Oh, I'm going to be a thing," and everyone started using that. And then Terminal kind of got like a load better and. Uh, so it's less required now. So, yeah, um, I ended up setting up my uh, a kind of development environment. Uh, however, I I was moving really slowly with it and couldn't decide what I wanted. So I was just installing stuff, and I'm gonna have to write most of the scripts to set that stuff up later. Mm-hmm. So all in all, I think it was. I think it could have gone better. Um, but that's just because I think that might be just because I had to do it. Um, yeah, I think setting things up in a script it's a it's a process. So I've been doing this for yeah. quite some time now, and the very very first um, you know attempt to automate it was probably just making a list mm-hmm. uh, of what needs to be installed and then an order of when to do it. Uh, now I have a lot of that stuff automated, but not not all of it. It's just useful to have the notes, and every time you build yeah. a new machine, you could just follow the same notes. Yeah, so I've got I've got a markdown file with a bunch of configuration settings, um, and the fact is that if I find out a way to change one of these by the command line, I can just replace the the item the task to do in the markdown file with a script, and yep. it'll do it. So it's good to have that that tracked anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, as I say, I'm, I'm recording this episode right now on on this iMac. Um, it's really nice. It's really fast. Uh, editing the previous episode of the podcast on 
the iMac was great compared to the MacBook. Um, it, you know, it's powerful. It doesn't go crazy when you, you try and uh, process some audio, for example. So, yeah, I do love it. I do love it. I just need to get some more time to actually spend with it. <laughs> other than so these there's podcasts. one other thing I wanted to ask about yep. the setup. Um, I think you know what it is. What's What's the deal with the trackpad? Right. The trackpad. So the only reason... So obviously I started using the trackpad uh, to, to start with because I wanted to give it right. a go. Mm-hmm. Um, there were certain things where I was like, oh, I just need my mouse back. And I've gone to turn it on and it's been really weird. And I don't know what it is, if it's something wrong with the mouse or... Um, it's too slow. <laughs> it's not too slow. Um, but it was basically not registering movements or anything at all. Don't make a joke. It's not too slow. Um, and I ended up using the, the trackpad. And the reason why, uh, like, one example of this, sorry, was uh, when editing the previous episode of the podcast, you have to do quite a lot of scanning and holding down, you know, dragging and uh, clicking, all that kind of stuff. And when you're doing that over mm-hmm. these long periods of time, for an episode that could be, you know, it's like two hours or more worth recording over three tracks, three, four tracks, is really, really painful on your fingers with using the trackpad. But the the Magic Mouse has just been really weird. And I think, I don't know if it's something that's got lodged in the sensor that I need to clean out, but um, I'll look into it. So... And it's, it uses a laser or something, doesn't it, at the bottom? Yeah. Yeah, it does, yeah. Is it LED or is it laser? Um, the Apple um, Magic Mouse uses, hmm. I believe, a single point laser. Laser tracking. Yeah, Microsoft switched to using LEDs instead of lasers. Mm. And they use really, really bright blue LEDs right. to um, capture the surroundings when you move it. Mm. Just, just out of interest. Yeah. I mean, that might help. Maybe, maybe they can. Maybe Apple can try it. I, I doubt they will. <laughs> maybe they can. Maybe <laughs> they can. So something's good. I think I've also got a new mat as well. Uh, however, I've never had a problem with that. So there is this environmental changes for the mouse. Yeah. Now, I I really like the idea of using a trackpad as well. I I wouldn't want to use one all the time as the only method. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have a mouse. But I really do like using a trackpad, yeah, even at a desktop, um, you know, for just doing general window management. Yeah. The fact that the gestures are there is brilliant. Um, I would love uh, something like those magic trackpads for the um, for the Windows PC. Do they yeah. support Windows, the magic trackpads? I've read people have got them working, but I have experienced you know, Windows drivers for Mac hardware mm. before, and it's not a good experience. So I don't really want to go down that path. No, you mm. want to wait until Microsoft have done something, you know, I wish they would. For, for Windows. I, they, they haven't, they haven't made one. I wish they would. No, I would really like it. I used to use uh, an Apple keyboard and, and magic mouse on a Windows machine. I had to install a lot of uh, third party software yeah, and it never worked. But mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Uh, just on that point, Jordan. I, yeah, I've done that before, and it's it's absolutely terrible. And I can't get over using a Mac keyboard on Windows or using 
uh, a Windows key, well, a Microsoft, you know, slash Windows keyboard on a Mac. I, I just can't do it. It freaks me out. And the key layouts are different, and I rely on them too much. The well, just going on to, to, to back to that. The reason I did it was because I couldn't find a keyboard that was as good or felt as good as you know the Apple keyboard. Mm. But over the last three or four years, I feel like the quality of keyboards is increased substantially especially from microsoft like their ergonomic keyboard is that's my favorite keyboard now I yeah on a mac <laughs> but getting back to the the trackpad my review my if i was to say a couple of things about it uh i'm less precise with it i don't like uh control clicking or having to go like because it is large and like clicking on it I can't right click without either doing the double tap click or using the control and click. Whereas with Do the you mouse, use two fingers. Well, that's what I mean—the the double tap click or the, the two finger click. No, I don't like it. You I, don't like that. I prefer to because in the Magic Mouse, I have the right side of it is a right click. Mm. It's so much simpler. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's so much simpler. Uh. But with the trackpad, I either have to use, you know, the the double finger click or the control click and i did enable right click with the right side of the trackpad oh it's not working right now um i don't know why that is so but the reason is I, i'm less precise of it so how do i know what i'm and the, like when i go to click things when i'm using the magic mouse i know if i right click on something i'm going to right click it with the trackpad right. i don't know if i'm gonna miss click or do a click instead of a right click I'll just mess it up. And, then and it does that me. feel different to the trackpad in your MacBook, though? Does yeah, it feel different because to I use? have right-click enabled on that. Ah, and okay. I know how to use that. However, it's a much smaller trackpad. Right. So I'm not sure on the boundaries of where this considers the, you know, the bottom right corner to be. Yeah. So I've just, I've just enabled the bottom right corner click. And it is really far down, and because it's such a huge trackpad, it just doesn't mm. doesn't work. It I means never like, use because I, I use that the bottom right hand corner stuff. It's it's I just use the two fingers to to press, and that's fine. But because I use like the because it's such a lot like a large trackpad, I use like the left top side of it mostly. That's where my hands are, mm. and then for me to go to the to the bottom right corner, I you have to stretch my little finger, which isn't good. And then, oh, I have to, you know, move all the way down, and it just doesn't doesn't seem to work. So that is bugging so me. So do you do you think do you think you'd rather have got a magic mouse with it instead? No, I think that. So I, I know I've just been kind of bitching about the the trackpad, but it is really nice for the gestures and sliding around. It's much easier than doing that kind of stuff on the magic mouse sometimes. Um, because the magic mouse was quite tricky with that kind of stuff. Um, but I feel as though if I was really wanting to get work done, I would want to use the magic mouse. What might be kind of useful is to be able to train myself to use my left hand with the, the trackpad and then my right hand with the mouse. All it means <laughs> I won't have a hand on the keyboard. <laughs> but, you know, it's a potential. Um, I... Yeah, I want some more time with it. I haven't actually used the magic... Like like I say, I haven't used the magic mouse with the iMac yet. However, I'm going to need to edit this podcast and I can't subject my hands to that kind of pain again, really. Um, So I'm going to have to use the mouse for that. I would say 
I am mostly happy with it. Mostly happy. I -hmm. think maybe it just isn't right for me. And because usually I'm so like precise with my mouse and I don't feel like that's because it's so slow, right? You have to really, yes, to really go for it. Of course it is. Um, It's not, it's not slow. It is the right speed. And basically, yeah, because this is for, you know, it just doesn't feel, feel right yet. Maybe it's time. I don't know. But it doesn't feel right yet. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll check in again and uh, find out how it's going. Yeah. Mm. I'll have to prepare a bit more for that one because I've kind of been rambling, you know, like brain dumping, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I get, I guess it's a true sense. So yeah, the iMac is really nice. I'm enjoying it. Um, oh yeah, like I say, I'll put a link to the show notes for my setup and it is really nice and got some nice comments on it and, uh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy using it. Thank you for listening to the Mavis podcast. Follow us on the internet. A couple of weeks ago on the, the 10th of July, so about, in fact, it's about a month ago, um, our friend uh, Tom DeWitt asked uh, if we do anything with kind of managing our budgets and the financial side of things. And I think for all of us, this is the kind of place where we're we're not so good at it in terms of uh, personal finances, not like business finances and things like that. I don't know about you. I'm amazing at it. Well, okay. Uh, I'm completely kidding. Right. So I know that I don't do any formal, well, I track stuff, but I don't do anything more than that, really. Um, and I'll, I'll explain some more about that and what I what I kind of want to do. Um, but Jordan, what do you, what do you do for financial tracking? Um, And it depends. Like, I think, I think, um, this is one of those difficult topics because no one likes talking about money. Like it's like, it's like a taboo subject. Like when you were talking to people, it's like, Oh, you know, how, how do you manage your money? Well, I give it to an investment bank. Um, but that's obviously not the case. Um, I've tried different applications. So if there's one thing that I really like I'm not, I'm not terrible at managing money because I think that was a gross over exaggeration. But when it comes to my personal finances, I, I know how much money I go through a month. And yep. they say, you know, you spend within your means. And if you, you know, you yep. get a pay rise or whatever, you'll end up spending that. That's partly true. Like I definitely. I keep a mental tally of what's going on, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's not good enough. So I've tried things like hooking my bank account up to something like on trees to yep. like, I want to know what I'm spending the most money on, for instance, over the mm-hmm. past six months. The problem I find with that is um, it's not very accurate and it no. double, it double tallies things. Like when I've done things like transfers, you also have to make sure you keep up to tagging things. Yeah. If it doesn't, recognize yeah, it yeah. which is annoying which is precisely the thing i don't want to be doing right and i mm. i just want something that automatically does this so what i do right now is i keep a list of all my outgoing bills and what they are every month in my OneNote, right and i've got a table and so i've got things like i don't know my personal github or uh, my telephone or um even something like slack us some of our slack channels are on my personal account um 
And I keep that in my OneNote. Yeah. So every month I know exactly how much is coming out of bills with my car. And then it gives me a refined estimate of how much I've got left over that I can then put into savings. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I do it. I am not a fan of this, by the way. Having run, having been running a business, so I'm running a business right now and looking at something like account software, like Zero and everything else. Yeah. I find that I, I'm saying to myself, I should run my, my personal account like a business account, right? I should mm-hmm. be accounting for every transaction and looking at, you know, cash flow and looking at my bank account like cash flow. Um, but I don't know if that's overkill. Um, yeah, it seems it. I mean, but, uh, I mean, I'm not like, I'm fine financially in terms of how I manage my money. I'm never, I spend within my means, which is yeah. fine. I don't overspend. But what I would like in the future is more intelligent applications, like banking applications. So we see things like Monzo, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Where it's this this bank that you know you pull your transaction through, and it's going to automatically categorize them and automatically give you spending reports and where you're spending your money. And that's kind of the closest thing right now I've seen to the thing I want. Right? I'm spending it; it goes in automatically. I don't have to refresh a feed um, yeah. and then I can see like a breakdown of, okay, I've spent this much on fuel, this much on groceries as it puts it in the app for some reason. Yeah, very Americanized. Um, and that's where I'd like to be with that. But I will and, never get to that point. Uh, well, at the same time, that's a, so how can with, you bank account with Monto? Uh, Monto, mm, they obviously, they're going to become a bank, right? So yeah. that uh, it's difficult. I have different reservations about that, but we won't talk about them now. Um, I also worry about giving huge amounts of my financial information to third parties to analyze, you know, on a yeah. personal security point of view. And also kind of like, it's not necessarily an ethical point of view, but we have no real clue as to how well these applications are designed from a security point of view. You know, we're software engineers and we, you know, before I download apps from that my friends have built now, I and they ask me to sign up. I'm like, right, okay, run this through a proxy. Yeah. Okay, it's not running over HTTPS. Oh my god, there's no authentication mechanism. I can just pull down a list of every user in the database, and it's things like this that scare me when it went around financial information because you know it's very it's not that difficult to social engineer someone to I recently read a post where a gentleman was it Sam Altman's brother I don't know was it Sam Altman I don't know someone social engineered um, some quite a prolific person uh, access to their PayPal account basically Mm -hmm. and just absolutely rinsed his bank account I don't think it was Sam Altman well we'll find the link and put it in the show notes yeah but um, it's that kind of stuff that worries me and that's PayPal right um, yeah. So when we start to, to to hook things up to bank applications, I do worry. Um, so, so I think I'm going to stick with my OneNote and my spreadsheet elements right now. Yeah. So so as you say, you I mean we got Monzo Alpha cards um, when they were Mondo uh, uh, yeah. over a year ago, over way over a year ago uh, now, and. Uh, I used it initially. I, I put something like £100 on it and spent that. Uh, I think I've got like a pound left on it. And Same. I didn't top it up since. Um, 
Now the thing is, I I don't want any more cards. I'll say that, and I don't want one of those cards that switch between you know switches between all your cards because what if I forget to switch it? I don't know how that works. They're useful. I have one of them. Yeah. Um. And the other thing is, I want I always want my bills to come out of my my trusted um current account, and I don't mm. right now. I won't be switching my bills to come out of the Monzo card, for example. Um. So yeah, right now I, I, I maybe in you know four or five years I'll look at that. Uh, however, not right now. I do sign. I I do give my you know my bank feed to is it Money Dashboard? You actually just got some some crowdfunding investment. Um, however, I've let that you know go crazy as I don't tag anything because it's too much work. Now, when it comes to managing my money, every every month I do a sorry, every, two times a month or every two weeks I do a financial review, and I will kind of go through um, well, how much I have in my bank and different accounts I have, uh, what I know is coming out, how much I'm going to have left, what I need to spend on, and kind of make sure that in my head I know I'm covered before I you know want to spend something on this, for example, or what you know, whatever it may be, or just be aware of how much money I've got and I'm going to be okay for the month, which is always the case. Um, and yeah, so to using doing that means that I have to have somewhere I track my my expenditure every month. And right now, I have a spreadsheet which I have a monthly one, a quarterly one, and a yearly one where I track different payments that come out of different parts of the the year so monthly payments will come out in the monthly one etc uh however i need to update that as it's got a bit out of hand as well uh the reason i actually want to talk about this now is because um i was trying to look for some way that i could move all those bits of information from the spreadsheet to uh, an app uh, you know really nice clean uh, app where it was literally just here's the title of the payment this is when it happens and this is how much. So, so I knew, and it was not in the spreadsheet that I had to keep track of and make sure I, you know, make sure everything was added up, for example. Uh, however, I can't really find a nice one. There was a, there was a couple that I found, however, they don't, like most of them don't support things like quarterly payments. It's only monthly or yearly. Um, and you can't just set like custom reoccurring dates like you can in like a calendar, for example. So that really annoyed me. Um, but I, I, if anyone's got any suggestions for that, I, I would like to check them out. I just need to be able to do quarter, uh, quarterly payments, for example. So, yeah, I, I do okay. I do, I do okay. I could do better, I reckon. Um, but then it, you know, then I start, I start to become an accountant if I did, if I did it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. What about you, Jules? So in the past, I used uh, Microsoft Money, which I actually quite enjoyed back in the day um i don't it's probably before your time mm. similar to the kinds of things that you're talking about now doing on the web but you did it through an offline application that you had on yeah. your own machine um i think the first version i properly used is probably the uh 2005 2004 version i think um wow for the longest time there was Basically, there was a, this whole little 
world uh, around Microsoft Money in the UK because of the fact that they sometimes released versions that were newer, but only worked in the US. And you got all these kind of funny issues where, say, for example, 2005 worked in the UK, 2006 didn't. And then, you know, every time you went to look for an upgrade, it was, there was a lot of work. Microsoft didn't really look after mm. money very well it, it, in terms of the application. Um, and the, the last version that they released had the epic name of Microsoft Money uh, Plus Sunset Deluxe Edition. I saw, I just saw uh, this. Yes. And that was the last version that I used and I used it for years and I only stopped using it recently when the HSBC bank website changed in a way that made it more difficult for me to download the files necessary for Microsoft money. So I ran it up until that point. Right. The, the latest version of the HSBC website is terrible. Um, but uh, this is the problem, you know, web websites are just really, really, they're really crap. Yeah. Uh, a lot of bank websites are really, really cr- crap. And what money did is it took all of the information out of it. It didn't sync anything back up. Uh, though right. you could do that. Mm-hmm. It did have options to do that. But basically you could use it to do all the forecasting and categorizing and planning and everything else. Right. Uh, and you could put multiple accounts in it. So it doesn't matter where it came from. And it all went through one UI. Uh, things that you mentioned there, like transfers between one account and another, yep. you could set it up so that it knows if money comes out of this account and then goes into that account, it, it understands that that's, that's not good. you paying one thing and then putting some money in somewhere else. It did all right. Um, but the, I mean, obviously it was a, like a, an install desktop style application and I guess Microsoft just weren't interested in, in maintaining it. So they, they didn't bother. They did some stuff, um, through MSN, but, um, and, uh, I just never, I never bothered looking for an alternative. I stopped, I stopped using it recently. I had looked in the past, didn't really find a decent alternative. So I use a combination of OneNote and a pen and paper. Yeah. So I do pen and paper plus my my spreadsheet. Mm. Oh, I see. I did. I did. I liked having an application that did all this stuff for me. And um, to be honest, I think what I would really like is a managed service, a bit like an AI or mm. something that could that could sort a lot of this stuff out and be intelligent enough to know about the decisions. Microsoft Money was before its time, so it didn't have any of that stuff. Right. Uh, it had, it had obviously had, you know, categorizing and everything else, yeah. but these days you could do some really clever stuff, but unfortunately it looks like it's not really something that, um, the banks are interested in having. Why not? Why not? Like you would have thought that, like, I know it's not a bank's job to be a tech company and that's why we've seen companies like Monzo pop up, but you would have thought that it would be relatively easy for a bank to be able to automatically categorize a lot of this information. Yeah, and people pay for it. How much data they have. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure some banks, I'm not sure, I know HSBC doesn't do it, but. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's It it got to the point when I decided to stop using Microsoft Money Plus Sunset Deluxe Edition, um, I basically set myself a, a, a future task to find a better replacement. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where uh, at some point I'll find a replacement, but I I'm not actively 
looking right now because some of those things would there's a lot of work involved in actually switching things if you did like you mentioned change where your bills came from yeah um in order to get analytics or something out of it it's like well what's the point if i'm gonna if i'm gonna make that kind of decision it needs to be a really good it needs to be trustworthy it needs to make sure you know it's gonna last and And I'm, i'm not saying that monzo aren't gonna last or you know aren't trustworthy it's just that right now they don't have the track record that a normal bank does which is completely fine that's you know how um how these things are because they are young i don't know if you saw the email um yesterday from tom from monzo to apologize for the outages they've been having the last couple of weeks well yeah that's exactly it I, i saw they've had a couple of outages and if that was my if that was my bills and if that was my you know, if that was my important card and I was out and I didn't see an email that said that this card's not going to work, then, and that's the only card I take with me, then how do I know then that, you know, I can rely on this card? And the truth is you can't, not yet. Well, so, that's, you know, they say it's, they've got a third party card processor because they're not, they don't have the banking license yet. I believe it's the reason. And this, these problems will go away when they upgrade to a full bank. But, right. you know, even, even still, I don't know. Why don't why don't the um why don't like Lloyd's and HSBC and stuff like that have these problems? Well, they have probably have their own card processing mechanisms. Sure, but like this one, this one, this if this is a third party one, it must have been a while for a while, around for a while, and they, you know, might be using something similar. Then, so why don't they? Well, what I'm trying to say is, if they're using someone third party, they must have been around before. Why don't that third, why why doesn't that third party have the same standards that you know um, Lloyd's why and HSBC do, for example? Why don't they have two suppliers? Right. Well, yeah. A why don't they have a? Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's something there that I don't particularly believe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it does I'm say that their new in-house Mastercard processor is now live and currently. Uh, debit cards have been working well for the last couple of months, unaffected by these issues. Yeah, so, well, only a few people have the de- debit cards. Well, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough, but still, I don't know. But the, the point stands is what we're saying here is that we, we can't just yet rely on these these applications and these different banks. No, and, and, and these ones, if you were to have one, I think my ideal would be to have a third party that is not affiliated with any any of them. Um, and then that way you can link multiple accounts up to it. If, if, if it is your bank doing your analytics, I mm. think, you know, um, you, can you report from other places? Are you ever going to get the full picture? And I think that's, that's the dream really is to be, get a full picture across anything. And the dream would be to have something like an AI make decisions about that for you as well. Yeah. Mm. You so know, this is if, something if that, moving between one account and another account means that you get better interest rates, then, you know, by all means, AI go for it. Yeah, exactly. That That is the, so this is something that I wanted to get onto with this is, uh, I know Jules, you, you'd like to, uh, talk about AIs. Um, and what you just mentioned there is, is the pain of transferring accounts all the time, uh, you know, bills and direct debits and things like that is it's, it's, time consuming and it's painful it's not simple so if there was an ai to 
to be like, oh, I'm just going to move this over here. And because of this, I've saved you this much. Or for example, you know, do something like that, then great. And it'd do it and I wouldn't have to worry about it. But again, it'd have to be trustworthy. So just on that note, you know, as soon as we start talking about, well, this AI is going to move money for us and it's going to put it in a bank with a higher interest rate or an account with a higher interest rate, what's to stop this AI investing on the stock market with your money? Yeah, you're right. So high frequency trading these days, is that Mm -hmm. done on, I know that's done on a very, very micro level, but do they have machine learning backing that or is that just completely? Absolutely. High frequency trading algorithms, they fight against each other and it's, it's, it's one of those things whereby we, we see machine learning and artificial intelligence as, as something not necessarily new, but in the public domain and and the media attention it's getting lately. Yeah. last three or four years especially it's really mm-hmm. skyrocketed but machine learning is no more than products of mathematical functions right and the whole ai element to high frequency trading has been around for as, as long as high frequency trading has been around it's it's looking mm-hmm. at previous data um spotting trends and and, and building a, like a customized uh, not necessarily a workflow, but a customized uh, mathematical set of functions, right? Yeah. And I think <laughs> it would be naive of us to say, nah, this is, they've never used like deep learning or. Yeah, sure. Or a form, yeah. I say a form of deep learning or a form of machine learning to do that. Um, it's interesting though, because obviously these high frequency trading algorithms, they run over, you know, fiber optic lines, they run over microwave because. They've got things like how fast light travels in air is mm-hmm. a is a key factor in how you know much money they can make. So I don't know; it's a different, completely different ball game. Yeah, um, it's it's really cool, but it's 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 risky, and it has to be right. Well, the if your AI was trading right, then you would need a super. It would need to be running on a super fast internet connection because as soon as it makes a trade, before that trade is executed, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't be giving my AI the the ability to or the you know the task to high frequency trade. Hmm. But if it if it could tell me, you know, if it could analyze a bunch of um, business records and papers and you know reports and things like that, and then say, based on you know all these stats and what I've had and what I know is coming up. Um, that has been verified from these sources. Do you want me to invest this much for you know in this company, for example? Um, and that it would that'd be a long term game. It wouldn't be a you know it wouldn't be a case of. Oh, so a question: mm-hmm. If your AI mm-hmm. aids you in making an investment, is that insider trading? What? No. Or is that just is automation that... of or, you know investment? No, no. In, insider jobs. information, um, well, insider trading it's is cross companies, yeah. Is is I'm going to make a trade um, based on some information that was given to me that shouldn't have been leaked. So, like non-public information uh, that's related to the company at hand. Okay, yeah. My point here was that um, if your AI gets information from various sources, but they'd have to be public sources. Like that's the thing, right? If it's in the public but if domain, it's a leak. Hmm. I guess. It, well, leaks leaks are a bit different. I, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah but who uh, knows what your AI is doing to get this information, right? Well, that would be the best kind of AI. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, a yeah. question of ethics. 
Yeah, the ideal would my be point. to have uh, an AI that doesn't um, have to have a specific uh, input. So it could go to a website and read it in the same way that we could go to a website and read it mm-hmm. without actually having to, you know, have a feed of the data. It can log in, it can go through something, it can interact with it in the same way that a person would yeah. in order to find the information um, and understand the context of that. If you want a really good AI, this kind of assistant AI, but um, yeah, what, in, in which case, who knows what it's doing, right? Because mm-hmm. it could be off doing multiple things. Exactly. And my my point was that, you know, you don't know what it's doing. You don't know where it's getting information from. Is it doing anything sneaky or illegal? Uh, you know, is it, is it hacking anybody? I think more to the point, would it tell you if you asked it point blank? Well, yeah. Where's, this this conversation is so hypothetical right now. It's so meta. Yeah, I know. I, know. I, know, <laughs> I mean, we've, all, we've obviously we've got the... the ethics and principles of, a, of an AI itself, there's a, there's a lot to discuss there, you know? Yes. Uh, and maybe that's a, maybe that's a topic for another time. Hmm. But, um, but I think in principle, I wouldn't mind having, uh, having an AI look after that stuff for yeah. me in terms of finances. I think it'd do a better job. Um, I don't think it'd do a terrible job, but I think it would be capable of giving more attention to the things that matter and be capable of providing me with the relevant information. Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I spend time doing things like reviews and I do them in my notebook um, and I get my information yeah. from different sources of different accounts and different yep, services and stuff like that. Yeah, you go and log into it. everything right, in, exactly. in, one, in one go. What if you could notes. just do that for me? Yeah. But if, you, if you'd like to hear us talk about more about the the principles and ethics of an AI from from its personal point of view, uh, tweet us at Mavis Podcast on Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Mavis Podcast. Andrew's put me up to uh, the outro today. Uh, so you can find us at Mavis Podcast on Twitter, mavispodcast.com, and the show notes for this episode are mavispodcast.com forward slash six. Give us a like, give us a follow, tweet us. Oh, and rate is on iTunes.